Good afternoon. This is Michael Newt of Boeing Global International Interviews. Um, today we are speaking with uh, Professor Dr. Ingenua Kai Luke, who is the president of the Bundesverband Mergers and Acquisitions, or uh, Federal Association of Merger and Acquisitions, and also the leader of Merger Management Institute. And we're talking with Kai about mergers and acquisitions in Germany, Europe, and worldwide. So, Kai, I saw a presentation of yours today from the perspective of Siemens, a very large organization. But in your experience, is merger and acquisition activity simply a corporate activity in Europe or Germany, or is it something that the Mittelstand engages in as well? In my eyes, it's even more Mittelstand related. Mm -hmm. uh, because the Mittelstand uh, in uh, Central Europe is, is uh, the main column for business and they share the uh, major uh, corporations have is smaller than the German Mittelstand. We have around uh, 10,000 so-called Mittelstand uh, companies in Central Europe, mm -hmm. uh, specifically uh, Germany, Austria, France, uh, Italy, um, uh, and Switzerland. And uh, are there any particular industries where they're more active than others? Um, Mittelstand companies are spread across all industries, but they play a specific role, for instance, in car uh, manufacturing, car supplies. They play a, uh, a big role in services. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they play a lower role, for instance, in the medical area. Uh -huh. Okay. And when I think about corporate culture, you, you talked about Siemens today, um, I think a big corporate culture is typically different than an M&A deal-making corporate culture. How do they merge together in a large organization like Siemens? Um, I talk about the uh, M&A subsystem. So if uh, the company is a system or a company is a being, uh, then M&A is a part of that system and has to fit into the system. So in other words, no real culture conflict if different M&A people are working with particular groups within teams. M&A is not only about culture, M&A is both on hard facts and uh, soft facts. And uh, if you take uh, the uh, soft facts like uh, change management, HR, um, communication, policy, uh, you have uh, to complement them through the hard facts like uh, um, uh, financial performance, like uh, restructuring and so on. And uh, M&A has to combine both sides, and often is, uh, um, I would say, conflict management between soft factors and hard factors. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, how do large corporations like Siemens react to fast-approaching kinds of deals or opportunities that pop up quickly? Are they able to react quickly? Yes, this is a specific high challenge for the companies. And it was one of my tasks when I was asked to introduce the MFA strategy and MFA integration system to develop a system which is really fast, which really can compete to smaller companies and specifically can compete to private equity. In those days, the private equity still played a major role. And we have managed this, or we had to manage this in a manner that any case can be permitted or led to execution um, within, uh, I would say, around two days. Oh. And so you're able to succeed and, and work in that environment. 
They are leading to execution means uh, that the board of directors who have uh, to commit each and every MLA case um, are put in a position to give this permission. And uh, giving this permission means uh, that uh, the case has to be set up uh, diligently, uh, has to consist of strategy, business planning, valuation, structuring, and uh, being managed by uh, one person. And all this uh, has to be put together, put into a presentation, and to make uh, that diligently that uh, if the product uh, says yes, with a high probability, this case can go right and not would not go wrong. And so you're able to do that within seconds in a matter of a few days. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, the main task has to happen in the business itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but as um, uh, a corporate has uh, to contribute and to comment on that case, uh, we at corporate are in a position to do this comment within three hours for each and any case. Uh, but this needs uh, that we have to be pre-prepared, so to be in a very intense interconnection with the relevant businesses. Well, with board approval, that's quite an achievement, although it sounds like there are probably at least a few sleepless nights uh, to get these kinds of things ready, I would think. This can happen. Yeah. Um, in my eyes, for such cases, it's a question of crash management. I'm a specialist in crash management. I've done this many, many times in operational business, and uh, but this is not the normal case. The normal case is that the board of directors meet every fortnight uh, for a major meeting, and uh, those cases which work ordinarily uh, can be then presented in the next um, uh, BOD meeting, and uh, if uh, the board of directors says yes, then it will be moved forward to the division. But in those cases which uh, has a strategic high importance and their competition to um, other uh, companies is relevant, they have to be very fast. And in such cases, uh, we can reduce the time frame between uh, um, uh, having the information on, the, on our desk uh, up to um, uh, having a form the board of directors um, up to our time half a day. And let's go in the other direction. Um, as I mentioned, I worked for Siemens, and I actually worked in strategic planning, strategic planning, and I know the Germans are great planners and make plans farther out into the future, and unlike many American companies, stick to those plans. But I guess my question is, how can you plan for mergers and acquisitions in five and ten year time frames? Simply because there is so much that changes on an ongoing basis I think it may be difficult to integrate planning for mergers and acquisitions in those longer time frames. Our annual planning includes MLA planning. So we do once a year in overall planning for all sectors and for all businesses. And this is being presented to the board of directors around September. It is briefly before the annual year ends. And uh, for each sector, each business, we have uh, one page or a couple of pages on the general development of that business. And this uh, includes both organic development plus MLA. And we define MLA depending on, first, uh, what the overall goals are, and secondly, uh, which share of those goals can be reached organically. And in my eyes, uh, MLA is only the second way because of the high risk combined with MLA. Okay. Um, 
Obviously, a reason to do M&A is greater revenue and hopefully greater profitability. But I don't think those are the only reasons to acquire other companies. Were there reasons other than profit that Siemens acquired companies throughout the world? It's a question of the time frame. Uh, we have basically two cases. One case is more uh, on restructuring um, uh, in uh, overlapping businesses where scale is relevant. Scale boils down into uh, market share. Market share, higher market share, uh, corresponds with higher profits. So this is uh, one direction, and in my eyes, this is the more short-term direction, which I would say the time frame between three years and five years' time where the optimum should be reached. But there are long-range planning issues like new technologies. Actually, we have the issue in the world about uh, um, uh, regenerative energies, about uh, clean energies, and uh, we live in a very important phase, I mean, uh, in a global change of business. And uh, for that purposes, we have made a lot of the provisions going into the direction of regenerative energy, into clean technologies, uh, like UGS uh, for water technology, for water technologies um, like uh, um, uh, wind energy, bonus wind, and many other issues. So the, the top issue actually is uh, um, uh, clean technology. Um, and in your presentation today, you mentioned that a couple of the uh, components you look at in a dashboard are employee retention and employee satisfaction. As you're probably aware, here in America, many times in mergers and acquisitions, what happens to the employee is a very unfortunate consequence. What role at Siemens and in your experience do employee retention and employee satisfaction play in mergers and acquisitions? When we buy a company, we do it because this company is better in their field than we are. And <laughs> if they are better, they are people who are better in this area. Mm -hmm. And uh, the main role is to keep that business, those people on board. Mm -hmm. um, we would endanger any acquisition if the key people would leave. Okay. Um, and, and looking at M&A deal-making generally, and from your experience, what do you think is more important, striking the right deal or integrating the deal well? Both is important. Um, basically, uh, going through the process, there are three major sources of uh, mistakes. First is uh, to do the wrong strategic candidate. Uh, if you have taken the wrong candidate, you will never have a good performance. If you have done or taken the right strategic direction, then you can destroy the target through badly treating them, bad integration. And the main causes of the problems come from strategy direction and from integration. The leader phase, namely the transaction itself, as this phase is a more formal one, a more standardized one, is a lower source of danger than the other two phases. Whenever you embark upon an M&A deal, there is always an element of risk. In other words, you know a little bit, well, you hopefully by doing good due diligence, you know very much about what you're acquiring. How do you really know what you're getting? And were there instances at season 
where you really didn't know what you were getting and it made a difference in the deal. Any deal is a comp- competition of information. And in any deal, the seller has better information than you have. And you should only start the deal uh, when you have the feeling that you have reached a similar level of information the seller has. And therefore, I say that the information process is an end-to-end process. It does not only begin with due diligence, but due diligence is the main part of that process. The information process begins uh, right uh, when you are doing the basic strategy, and from that basic strategy, so finding out the direction you want to go, then you make a screening, so you screen a lot of, lots of candidates, and each candidate implicitly is to be combined with one specific path. So if you select candidate A, candidate A might be a takeover candidate, and candidate B might be a, take, a, a candidate where you make a, uh, an, uh, uh, an integration of your business into the candidate's business. So uh, the information process is quite important and starts right when you are doing the strategy. And the most dangerous thing, dangerous thing you can do is that for instance starting the due diligence, you do not take into account all your findings you have done before in the strategy phase. And there's a third direction, namely, as we are making um, MRA cases, and I think this should be a general rule to anybody who does MRA, you should only make MRA in areas where you are knowledgeable. Don't make MRA in areas where you are not knowledgeable. And if you are knowledgeable, you know the um, uh, clients, you know the competitors, and through early stage competitive analysis and early stage um, client reaction analysis, you can very well find out issues um, about products, about uh, strengths and weaknesses. Well, but then in some cases, how do you move into different product markets? How do you move into different geographies if you are only staying closely held to what you know? The philosophies on M&A ever since have changed from phase to phase, and this does not only apply to humans, this applies to the whole industry. Uh, we look back to the history of M&A over more than 100 years. We had phases of pure diversification, uh, we had phases of uh, consolidation, and uh, actually we have a phase, I would say, of attached M&A. This means that uh, we look for those areas where we can expand our business, but that these areas are not far away from our business, but directly attached. So, for instance, the case of Siemens uh, uh, moving to uh, medical diagnostic, which is laboratory diagnostic, uh, but this is in so far attached as uh, specific uh, laboratory technologies are um, have their sources in uh, medical imaging. So, for instance, uh, the, uh, the, the low-field magnetic resonance technology is a way to um, develop pictures of the body, and the high-end, high-field magnetic resonance is a way to do in vitro diagnostics, or, for instance, to find out uh, um, cancer cells uh, in uh, liquid. And uh, this is uh, uh, to illustrate the proximity between where we are and where we want to go to. We would not go into areas which are absolutely far away from what we're doing. Um, and in your role as the president of the Bundesverband uh, of Mergers and Acquisitions, how active is the German Mittelstand or German mid-sized company in mergers and acquisitions these days? 
I believe I saw on one of your slides today that there was a greater volume of acquisitions by European companies of American companies. Is that simply because of exchange rate changes, or, or where does that stand today? Over, over time, over a longer period, uh, the, um, uh, the transatlantic MSAs um, have increased strength. So, uh, similar size of US companies buying into Europe uh, as uh, European companies buying into the United States. It's very interesting. All across uh, most industries, across most cases. But the um, role the German Mittelstand plays in the MSA um, is uh, higher. Uh, then uh, the role the big uh, companies play due to the, uh, the quantity of uh, MA cases. Okay. And also in your presentation, you had mentioned that MA management experience is very important for success in integrating mergers and acquisitions. But it seems to me it must be pretty difficult to find people with this kind of experience. How is Siemens, and, and how are you able to find these people, or are they people who are typically trained internally in these kinds of processes? Well, Siemens, uh, as a big company, has the advantage of having uh, a multitude of specialty departments. So at corporate, we have about 15 departments who are specialized on different uh, areas which have a certain relevance for MLA. So, for instance, uh, there is one department uh, specifically dedicated to uh, paragraph 613A, uh, which is the paragraph of taking over the uh, units from one company to the other. Uh, where it is going to be a specific paragraph only existing in Germany and in Austria, uh, which uh, um, obliges uh, the, uh, um, the acquirer uh, not to release people from the company you have bought. Uh, but this should only, only illustrate the, the specialties we have on board. And these specialties, uh, if you go over to the Mittelstand, then um, have to be taken from external sites, so the MFA advisors. So there is a broad range of MFA advisors, beginning with uh, accountants, uh, or strategic uh, advisors, structural advisors, HR advisors, the legal advisors, and uh, the Mittelstand, um, uh, who wants to be successful in MLA, must be able to steer these specialists. It must be able to see the necessity of involving these specialists. And so there is a pool of qualified specialists available to the Mittelstand, because even finding these people, I think, could be difficult too. Absolutely. And uh, this is the role the German MLA Association wants to play and can play, Namely, we are open for any body from the middle stand, and they can approach us and we help them or help them to find out uh, which parties uh, um, are um, best practice partners and are specialists for a specific industry, for a specific region, for a specific part of the value chain. And I've spoken with a couple other middle market MA experts here in the state, and they have been members of other associations or conglomerations with partners in different countries throughout Europe and the world. There are obviously advantages to that. It gives you connections in certain countries. I have my own thoughts. What do you think about American M&A specialists with relationships with counterparts in Europe and other places? 
there are a couple of international networks, um, like IMAP um, and other ones, uh, who have uh, partner companies in the United States, both and in Europe. And uh, in my eyes, it's absolutely requisite to work with uh, such uh, um, companies because they are able to work out the differences between the American MA market and the European market. So, for instance, if you move over from Germany to the United States and uh, have a certain target in mind, then you need to know about the um, um, legislation around HR, the pension situation. And you cannot do this without having uh, a local company, a local advisor, who knows about this legal situation. A major company like Siemens has these resources um, available internally. Um, uh, for instance, in Siemens Corporation in New York. But uh, Mittelstand companies have uh, to uh, know an um, uh, advisor company who can contribute this knowledge. The critical issue, in my eyes, is not finding these specialists. They are available. But having the right sensibility uh, that you should think about it like this. So the, uh, um, the source of that in a way is uh, that people do not have an imagination what they really need. Yeah, and especially I think on the American side, not the anything. A couple other questions. Uh, you had stated some EBIT goals for the acquisition of Osram, of Huntsville, and Pichu, and these were, I believe, from 1994, 1999, 2004. I don't know if it's proprietary if we're able to say, but was he able to reach these EBIT goals? Yeah. Um, uh, um, it yes, so we had um, uh, made acquisitions where we really exceeded expectations, so for instance, Western North case, the Sylvania case. Um, uh, we, the um, uh, result of our MA activities in terms of best uh, practice sharing, in terms of the um, closed loop approach in uh, knowledge transfer, uh, led to the result that we could totally avoid um, disasters um, and that we could significantly improve MA. But it would be a mistake to assume that uh, every MA case would be a super success. I think self-criticism and self-skepticism is a good approach to enter MLA, and you should no, never overestimate your own capabilities. Um, and lastly, just in general, I've tried to focus on the differences between MLA here in the States and how I perceive it to be in Europe. Are there any other important differences that you can think of that are important for listeners and readers to know about? Yes, uh, basically, uh, if you think about transatlantic MRA, this is about com complementarity. So most MRA cases um, are just to enter new markets, and you take the MRA way because you can do it faster, because you need not begin with uh, a price war, and you have available Salesforce and specific national um, products, which uh, are different. For instance, uh, the electrical frequency in the, the Europe is uh, 50 hertz, and here it is 60 hertz, so we need a different product. But for Americans, for instance, um, there is another issue which, in my eyes, is most relevant, 
Did you buy something, a family owned uh, European company? Did you know the German Mittelstand, the Austrian Mittelstand? You also buy the military system because those companies mostly work in different nations, so they have the managerial system to work in four or five or six different countries. While when you acquire an US um, company from Europe, you get a company which is only um, used to work just in the United States. So these are quite different approaches. Germans acquire volume in the United States, and Americans acquire diversity in Europe. Okay, well, thank you very much for your time. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you, Michael.